1: find ourselves in situations that we're not accustomed to, but instead of looking up to our comforter, instead of holding on to the promise, instead of seeing what God has given us, we just settle into our
0: situation and enjoy the misery. Welcome to the Barnabas Effect
1: dark place, not because of the temperature in the room or the lighting, but because of the season of life you find yourself in when you find yourself in that place. Perhaps you're here and you've been in one of those rooms, yourself as a patient or with someone that you deeply love. I've been there recently. It's no fun. It's in the intensive care unit that you recognize you were deeply dependent upon the care of someone else. You're at a place of desperation. Your only hope, your only healing is going to come from without. Because you could be near the end of life. As we've journeyed through scripture, what we've seen with clarity is that The church is supposed to be an intensive care unit. It's supposed to be a place where those who are hurting and in need of healing can come for help and restoration. It's supposed to be a hospital for hurting sinners, not a museum for dusty old saints. But too often along the way, the church has lost her course. We've forgotten our mission So occasionally, we need to be reminded of the reason for which we are here. Today, as we continue this series, Intensive Care Unit, we're in Second Corinthians chapter 1. And we're going to be dealing with something that is very familiar to every listener. The problem of pain. As you take your copies of God's word and find your place in the scriptures, would you do me a favor and would you welcome those who are joining us at our two campuses, Mission Hill, Six Mile, and Mission Hill, Lake Carroll? We welcome them in the service today. Paul in 2 Corinthians is giving us a peek into his journal. This is a very personal, vulnerable letter. That he's writing to a group of Christ followers. We will hear him talk in this letter about the specific trials he's going through. We'll hear him with great vulnerability talk about crying out to God. That God would deliver him from his thorn. And here on the, on, on the outset of this letter we see him remind us of our help. 2 Corinthians 1 beginning in verse 3. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired for life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But That was to make us ready not to rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril. And he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. May God add his blessings to the reading of this, his perfect word. In the very first verse I read, God reminds us of life's two greatest problems. Did you catch it? The problem of sin... And the problem of sorrow. Man's greatest problem is without question the problem of sin. Why? Because sin separates us from a loving God. It prevents us from experiencing God's best here on this earth. And it causes us to be unable to experience God's plan for us in heaven. It's not God's desire that we would be separated from him as a result of our sin. And that's why he gave us Jesus. The Bible says that God demonstrates his love and that while we are still sinners, Christ dies for us. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is God's satisfaction for our sin. And the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 that God meets our sin problem with his mercy. You know what mercy is? Mercy is when God gives us what we do not deserve, Aren't you thankful today for the mercy of God? In God's mercy, he gives us his grace and his grace is found in the person of Jesus Christ. So God meets the greatest problem we have in Jesus. He meets the problem of our sin. But the second problem that's addressed here is the problem of sorrow. Because when sin was introduced into this world, it brought with it pain and sorrow. Have you ever experienced any pain in life? Do you know what it's like to go through some of life's difficult moments? I like to think of them as the testing times, the trials that weigh us down, the troubles that hurt us. And so Paul tells us, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, that God is not only a God of mercy, he's a God of comfort. In his mercy, he deals with the problem of sin with his comfort. He deals with the problem of our sorrows. And this is important because we all face sorrows. In fact, that's the first thing I want you to see from this passage of Scripture. Pain is a problem that everyone will encounter. Regardless of how we try to make it sound nice. In spite of our cliches, no matter how many hallmark greetings we utter, the truth is life can be painful and pain always hurts. It's never easy. We say things like no pain, no gain, but who in the world wants to experience pain? That's not something we enjoy. You may think, now, pastor, why would you tell us this? Tell us something we don't know. But the truth is, in my lifetime, there's never been a season where people have been presented with heresy in the way that they are today regarding this subject. Because there are many today that would tell you, you don't have to experience pain. There are some that would say to you, if you just live right, or if you give right, if you believe the right things, you can achieve the right things. It's a prosperity gospel, a false gospel that implies that you can avoid the pains of this life. That sounds good, but it's not scriptural. In fact, in scripture, Jesus says definitively, in this world, you will have pain, affliction, trouble. And so I thought it was necessary for you just to remind you that scripture makes that very, very clear. Look again at the passage we mentioned. In verse 4, Paul says, our affliction. He ends that verse by saying, any affliction. In verse 5, he talks about Christ's suffering. And in verse 6, he talks about our afflictions again. At the end of verse 6, he says, we suffer. In verse 7, he talks about our suffering. And in verse 8, he talks about the affliction. Paul, perhaps the greatest Christian to ever live, is telling us, there is such a thing As pain, as affliction, as trouble. You may not see it coming, but if you don't expect its arrival, it may run over you. Because every one of us, whether it be in the form of broken hearts or broken hopes or broken homes, we experience pain. It may be physical pain. For some of you, that's unbearable. Even to get yourself ready and to come and worship. Corporately, you're fighting through the physical pain. For others, it's emotional or mental pain. Perhaps you've been diagnosed with a mental illness, but perhaps you've you've not been diagnosed. But you recognize that every day is a battle through darkness and despair. Those around you may not realize it, but you're in pain. I would suggest to you that mental and emotional pain is even greater than physical pain. If my arm is broken, I can look at it and I can see the cause of the pain. If I've shown a PET scan and I realize the cancer has invaded my body, I can at least see what is causing the pain.
0: If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the watch tab at missionhillchurch.com. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the give button at missionhillchurch.com and now with more of today's message here's Pastor Paul Purvis the Mental and
1: emotional pain that hurts so many people is often unseen it may even be relational pain we know that our greatest need is for a relationship it's a relationship with God but because we want that relationship so bad, we often fill that void with unhealthy relationships and often experience pain. The Bible gives us a character who was well acquainted with pain and grief. His name is Job. In fact, in the book of Job, we learn that this man encountered pain of every kind, everything I experienced. He went through physical pain. He saw loss in his life that caused emotional and mental pain. Encountered relational pain as the church people gathered around him and tried to say things that may have sounded good but made no sense and were not the truth of God. And he had to come to a place where he decided whether or not he would trust that his Redeemer still lived. The Apostle Paul also encountered pain, and we see this recorded in Second Corinthians. In fact, in Second Corinthians chapter 11, he gives us kind of his pain resume. He talks about being shipwrecked stoned. He talks about being beaten and bruised. He he talks about sickness and suffering that he encountered. And then in chapter 12, he talks about his thorn. His thorn that he asked God to take away. And we've talked about this a number of times in this place and we recognize that we don't know what that thorn was and that's a good thing. Because we can all identify with the thorn we don't know. Paul talks about the thorn that he asked God to take away, and God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. So Paul understood affliction. The same word, by the way, that Jesus used in John 16 when he says, in this world you will have affliction. But pain did not cripple Paul. I know that from the same letter. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, we are afflicted in every way. Say every way. And probably as we gather here today, there's all kind of pain represented. We are afflicted in every way. But he says we're not crushed. We are perplexed. Say this, say, I'm perplexed. What does that mean? It means you don't understand. It's not clear to you. You don't see the way out. Have you ever had those moments where you don't understand what God is up to? This week, I spent some time with my dad. A lot of it was just me and him in the room. Much of it, he, he wasn't aware of my presence. At least it didn't seem like it. There were many times where I would say to him, God, I don't understand this. No doubt about it. If I were in your shoes, I think I would do it differently, God. Have you ever said that? That's because we're perplexed. Paul says, We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're persecuted. Did you know that more Christians, more Christ followers are persecuted for their faith today than ever before in history? It was just this week that we remembered those Egyptian Christ followers who were beheaded on the beach in Libya just a few short years ago. Persecution. You know what that tells me? Sometimes my pain is a result of disobedience. You do know that. I can sin and the result of my sin is pain but sometimes pain is a result of my obedience it's it's possible as a Christ follower to experience pain and be persecuted but I'm not forsaken I'm struck down but I'm not destroyed pain didn't cripple Paul what was Paul's secret he understood that pain comes with a promise everyone can experience have you experienced the promise that comes with pain What's the promise? Well, Paul tells us about that in this first letter to the church at Corinth. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Listen to what it says. No temptation. Now, when we hear that word temptation, we like to think about sin and temptation to sin. So the devil's out to get us and we're trying not to be tempted. But the word, when it's translated, really speaks to a testing time, a trouble. So to read that correctly, we would say no testing time, no trouble, no difficulty in life has overtaken you that is not common to man. Hey, that's a good place to stop and just remember that you're not in this alone. Why don't we say that? Say, I'm not alone. We get to a place, we think we're facing things nobody else can understand. You don't know what I'm going through. Well, I may not know what you're going through, but there's no testing time, no struggle, no trouble you'll face that's not common to others, not common to man. God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation. Wait, what? But with the temptation? With the temptation, he'll also provide the way of escape that you may be able to get out of there. No. Endure it. What we would like to say is, but from the temptation, he will provide an escape hatch. From those trials, from the testing times, he'll let us get out of town. But that's not what the scripture says. No, the promise from the testing time is that we can have the presence of God. There's a couple of spiritual truths we need to understand. The first deals with the sovereignty of God. You know what that means. God is all-knowing. There's nothing, no difficulty, no challenge, no trouble, no pain, no testing time in your life that catches God off guard. Your sorrows, your troubles, nothing is a surprise to him. Why? Because nothing touches your life that has not first filtered through the hands of a sovereign and a loving God. God never has aha moments. He never says, wow, I didn't see that one coming. No, he is a sovereign God. So that means, if God hasn't delivered you from it, you have to allow him to join you in it. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, with the temptation, not from the temptation. There's a lot of times I wish God would just deliver us from it. But as I read the scriptures, it seems like more often, he just joins us in it. Think about Daniel and his friends, the three Hebrew boys. Whether it was the fiery furnace or the lion's den, they weren't taken out. They were just joined in it. See, when you allow God to join you in those moments of difficulties, then he is able to work it out in an effective way for his glory. When you walk through it for his glory with him, and he not only changes you, he uses your situation to change those around it. When you're going through affliction, that's not a time to run from the Lord. That's time to run to him. And some of you may have come in or you may be watching or listening to this today and it's your last hope because you're thinking, I just think I'm ready to give up. God's not been faithful. Boy, don't use this as a time to run from him. Use it as an opportunity to run to him. Because when God allows a problem, he always provides a promise with it. What is God's promise in this situation? It is so stinking obvious, it's hard to read this passage of Scripture. Let me just point it out to you. Verse 3, he's the God of all comfort. Verse 4, who comforts us, that we might be able to comfort those, so that we are comforted by God. Verse 5, abundantly in comfort. Verse 6, your comfort. We are comforted. Your comfort. Verse 7, our comfort. What's the main theme of this passage? Comfort. In our affliction, in our pain, we have the promise of God's comfort. Don't miss this. God promises comfort. It's a word which could mean encourager. It's a word that's in the Greek is the word paraclete. Perhaps you've heard of it in a scriptural study. It means one who comes alongside. It's the same word that is used of the Holy Spirit of God. It's what Jesus tells us in John 14. In John 14, Jesus puts it this way. You've probably heard this most often at a funeral. Do not let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. For in my Father's house are many mansions, and I go to prepare one for you. Jesus was speaking to his disciples about his impending death and his ascension to heaven. And the promise that he would come back. But if you go on down in that passage. What you're going to find is that Jesus gives a promise. Listen to the word of God. uh, How he describes what that promise is in scripture. In John 14 and verse 16 he says. I will ask the father and he will give you another helper. To be with you forever. And even the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive. Because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you. And will be with you. Jesus says he will give you another help, helper. You know what that word is? Paraclete. Comforter. Encourager. So ten times in First Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul uses that same word. Comfort. A third of the times we find it in all of the New Testament is found in those few verses. Comfort, why? Because God wants you to know that while pain is a reality on this side of heaven, comfort is also a promise that comes from God. God's greatest promise is his presence. He is with us. Remember, as we celebrate the birth of Christ, we celebrate he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. So as we reflect on the reality of pain, one of the things we should do in this moment is stop and ask, are we resting in the promise and the presence of God? I read something interesting this week. Did you know that if you put a buzzard in a pen that's six to eight feet in width, even if the pen is open on the top, the buzzard cannot fly away because a buzzard needs 10 to 12 feet to get a running start (laughs) to get into the air. Did you know that a bat can fly around in amazing ways through the night? I hope you never encounter one. But if you take a bat and just put the bat flat-footed on a flat surface, the bat can't fly away. It will kind of walk around jumping, trying to get up. Did you know if you take a bumblebee and put a bumblebee in, inside of a mason jar, if you leave the top off of that jar, the bumblebee will never fly away? Oh, it'll try to get out through the sides of the glass, but it never looks up. And I feel like a lot of us are like, the buzzards and the bats and the bees, we find ourselves in situations that we're not accustomed to. But instead of looking up to our comforter, and instead of holding on to the promise, instead of seeing what God has given us, we just settle into our situation
0: and enjoy the misery.